Hello, John from the Lib Dem Podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praterains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. Now, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. My name is John Potter and we're here now talking about an issue. We talked about campaigning, getting organised, starting from scratch. But how easy is it to campaign if you're dealing with childcare? How easy is it to be a counsellor? if you're dealing with childcare. So this idea came from Hannah Kitchen, who has joined us again on the pod, the, the Lib Dem leader of Barnsley uh, Council, the, of the Lib Dem group. Uh, we've also got Laura Gordon, one of our regulars, who was a parliamentary candidate in a target seat of Sheffield Hallam with a newborn baby. And we've also got David Howard, first time on the pod, from the posh side of Preston, so he's south of the river. <laughs> uh, he's the leader of the South Ribble Lib Dems and also deputy leader of the Lib Dems on Lancashire County Council. Welcome all three of you. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How easy is it to actually campaign? I mean, you started from scratch, you got elected fairly recently. Mm. How big an issue was childcare in that fight? I mean, it, it is an issue. It's a massive issue. I mean, I didn't get involved. So I joined the Lib Dems in 2016. Um, so my kids were sort of three and sort of six and a half. Um, so the littlest one was still at home. With me. So I, so I, I was a full time mum. So I, I didn't go back to paid work after my youngest was born. Um, so I was at home full time with my kids. Um, and I sort of got involved and so I didn't really get involved in politics really until I had one kid at school and and one who was sort of doing a couple of days a week at nursery Um, and sort of at that point you know made it made it quite clear that that would you know that on the nursery days I would I would do things but you know, on the non-nursery days I I wasn't you know because I have no other childcare options really my uh, there's no grandparents, um, you know, within an hour and a half's drive. Um, my husband largely works 12-hour days, at, you know, out of the house. We don't see him from 7am till 7pm. Um, works away a, a fair bit, but not a massive amount. Um, well, not at all now, obviously, because no one's going anywhere. Um, and I I think because I, because I was always at home full-time with my kids, I wasn't really in the habit of asking people for help. So I don't, I didn't really have people who I, who would look after my kids for me. Um, in fact, I was often the person that looked after other people's kids, you know, cause they had work commitment. So I didn't really get involved, um, until my kids were at school, um, which is fine because it gives you time, but also the school day is like ridiculously short. Um, and the school day is also not the time when most campaigning happens. 
So you're looking for childcare outside of those times, you know, after school, evenings, weekends. Um, and yeah, it's difficult. Now, Dave, you, I, I, I know you're a colleague of mine on Lancashire County Council. So your, your two boys are now grown up. Well, I think, so yours, I think you became... Allegedly. Yeah, see, you became a single dad in 2001, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So what, what, describe the situation you were in. I mean, you were already elected at that point, is that right? Yeah, I had been um, on the council at that point for about six years, and then um, started 2001 through to the middle of the year. Uh, my wife at that time had contracted cancer, um it was gradually getting worse and then i was widowed sort of mid-year with a 12 year old and a nine-year-old um i was in the cabinet at south ribble at the time so all of that and, and in, in a profession as well so all of that coming together um was very much a wake-up call and and how do you continue and how do you go on from here and how did you how, how did you balance that um, I mean, the first thing I did was step down from the cabinet because clearly um, you're suddenly having to rearrange your whole life. I mean, I, I worked for a company that were very understanding and I was on as much leave as I wanted. I didn't particularly want that. I wanted to try and keep life as normal as possible. Um, two years later, we, we're then up for re-election, uh, made a number of gains and I'm suddenly the deputy leader of the council with a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, so, sorry, with a a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old and still so, having to balance all of getting them to school. It's not just the getting them to school and it's not just the who looks after them if you're not there. Um, I need a dress shirt five days a week. I've got two boys at school who both need a dress shirt five days a week. Um, so you're looking at 15 shirts to iron <laughs> and, yeah, um, and keeping them clean, dressed and, and presentable as, long as, as well as yourself. And so, to the, now to the opposite end of the is you, Laura. I suppose now, you, you, you had, obviously you've got a, a daughter who's now two, but obviously you were a parliamentary candidate with a very young child. So how did, how did you cope with that? Um, yeah, I think, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, it's, it's kind of, I, I think it, the whole of the last two years is, is a little bit of a fog and it's kind of difficult to pick out exactly what I did. But basically, um, I got selected um, in late 2017 um, got pregnant quite quickly after that, um, ended up having a baby um, in October 2018. And I think one of the things that made it quite strange, obviously we had this parliament where we had no idea when there was going to be an election. There could have been an election at any time. And in Sheffield Hallam, we had kind of doubled that because there was this constant threat of having a by-election because of the situation with Jared O'Mara. So basically constantly through this period, I was kind of in election mode and trying to think about how I could potentially fight an election you know, genuinely thinking, you know, actually, could I fight an election if, like, I give birth in the middle of the short campaign? You know, how do I deal with that? So I think it was a slightly different situation in that, you know, it wasn't about arranging childcare because, you know, when you're trying to campaign with a sort of three-month-old, you know, it's not about finding childcare. It's about finding a way to be able to do some campaigning at all while taking the baby with you. So it was kind of about how did I, how did I manage that? And I think the the main answers were around kind of baby wearing. So I, you know, went to the sling library and got some slings and carried the baby and like took the baby to a lot of meetings. Um, 
I think that was actually surprisingly successful. I was a little bit worried about taking a baby to kind of business meetings, but actually it turns out that a lot of the people I was having business meetings with have children that are now grown up and quite enjoyed having a baby come in and something a bit different. So actually it was not as bad as I expected on doorsteps. It was, it was really fine, but then also just trying to be flexible as well. So, um, you know, a little bit of phone canvassing here and there and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of keeping on top of the laundry part sounds very familiar. I mean, I just, I don't understand how they generate so much. They're so small. Like how, like how, how is it possible that somebody so small can generate that much laundry? It just, it defies the laws of physics. I can, I can confirm as well that Laura does have an extremely amenable and portable baby who's smiling face. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't always smiling to be fair, but she, I've never, I've never seen her upset. I've been out on the doorstep with Laura and various meetings you know when her daughter was there a number of times and I've never I've never seen her in a bad humor she she absolutely you know took it all all in her stride um yeah, I think she right. finds the sound of the riser and the folding machine quite yeah. soothing like is that rhythmic sound like that yeah like you know just pop her in a car seat next to the folding machine and she'd like doze off it was probably the only place she'd sleep actually I considered taking her to the office for naps so that I could sleep on the floor Mm-hmm. It's quite a new campaign technique, though, when you take your baby out for other people to kiss it and not the other way around. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it did, it, you know, it does, it, you do sort of interact with people in a slightly different way on the doorstep. I mean, one of the things I really noticed um, taking her out was actually gathering signatures. Um, you know, when you go to your, like wards where you're standing paper candidates and you're trying to gather nominations and it's usually a little bit painful because you're trying to explain to people what this is and they don't really get it but um I did it one year and I did it the second year like in a similar area and I think it only took me about half an hour when I was there with the baby because I think you just look so unthreatening when you've got a baby strapped to your front that people just think like oh a baby yes yes of course I'll sign whatever you know yes no problem yes you can have my soul I'll just sign right here um you know that can I, can I just touch the baby's cheek um so yeah actually it was it was quite an effective signature gathering technique so I think if you do have anyone in your local party with a small infant you know send them out to your send them out to gather your signatures and then actually they'll probably leave the party so maybe don't do that it was quite effective in fact from uh, david and hannah's point of view so campaigning how did you manage that with 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 children in term i mean david you were saying that uh your kids were now at secondary school but obviously you still had everything else to do making sure they're they're fed and you were talking about the laundry so how how do you manage how did you manage your time how did you do that kind of juggle I think it just is a grasp of time management at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I don't know how people are members of parliament with young children at all. So, um, But, I mean, after school clubs are, are a godsend because, um, you know, they, they effectively get themselves there and you don't have to pick them up until somewhere between five and six. Um, once they get to an age where they can effectively look after themselves, I mean, that... Um, it gets easier um but there was one occasion where i think it was my eldest 18th birthday the youngest was still 14 um we wanted to go to a a a football game abroad and i'm sure that the secretary at work was going to shock me to to the NSPCC because we left the youngest one at home overnight the good thing about it, he, he's autistic as well, so he follows instructions to the letter of the law. 
And, there's a, and he, we used to keep a list of phone numbers on, on his bedroom wall where if there's any problem at all, you phone that one. If there's any problem at all, you phone that one. And then we would check in on, with him at regular intervals to make sure he was okay. But he always was. No, no. Go on, Hannah. So, so I think for me, it's been a combination of things. So um, I, I've always done a lot of campaigning at weekends. Um, before my husband works long hours, he doesn't, he doesn't and has never worked weekends. And so he, um, he's always around and, you know, because he doesn't see the kids a colossal amount during the week, um, you know, and even sort of less so, you know, when they were younger because they went to bed a little bit earlier. He was, all, he's always been really happy to, you know, to have them at the weekends and to, you know, do things with them, you know, take them out, look after them, whatever. And so, so yeah, so I've done a, always done a lot of campaigning uh, at the weekends. Um, and then when it sort of gets down to, so that would be my standard, you know, through, through most of the year, um, a couple of sort of after school options. So yeah, I've certainly put them in after school club, um, which, which keeps them occupied until 6pm. Um, the problem we often had with that is, is if they're doing a lot of after school activities, so like gymnastics and swimming and dancing and choir are always in that sort of 3.30 till 6.30 slot. Um, so, you know, that's kind of tea time canvassing just out of the window. And then in the short campaign, um, I just basically ask, ask for favours. So my default is that my husband coming home isn't an option. So I, um, so yeah, sometimes put them at school club, send them on play dates. Um, usually for sort of polling week, my mum comes to stay, um, which means I can just go out and campaign sort of all day, every day from, you know, 9am right through till it's dark. Um, usually at the end of every polling week, we sort of weigh up whether that was worth it or not. Uh, but but that, <laughs> that's what we've sort of got into the habit of doing. And then, um, I mean, in the, the general election uh, last December was, you know, as we all know, horrific for, for many reasons. But I have never pulled in, you know, so many favours as, as I did. I just literally had a, when it all sort of kicked off, I basically messaged a, li a list of friends, you know, who are sort of parents of the kids' friends. And just said, I need someone to have these kids every day after school for me for two months. What, you know, what, what days can you do? And I sort of drew up a whole rotor. But that's not, you know, that's not sustainable. That is, you know, people did that for me because that was a, you know, that was a one-off. That was a general election, you know, they, they knew I was a candidate. And it was a short-term it was a short-term thing and it was fine and actually everyone was absolutely fine with it um but yeah I've done a lot of reciprocal play dates uh you know sort of since to kind of you know catch up on some of those favors and and I think for me the biggest thing is asking for help because I didn't I didn't used to do it I didn't I've never needed anyone to look after my kids for me I've never paid anyone to look after my kids I've never relied on anyone else to look after my children and that's been the difference for me since I've got involved with politics um, having to ask, you know, having to ask for help and not doing it all myself. Is, is there anything, I mean, open to all of it, what should local parties be doing to try and make it easier? Or, or, or is it down to just, you know, most local parties don't have staff or anything like that. So what are the kind of do's and do nots you think local parties could do to help people who have childcare um, uh, commitments 
I mean, I think, so I think it, obviously because I was the candidate um, and, you know, I had a baby, I think the, the local party was, was actually really good about trying to figure out how they could help me make it work. Um, and I mean, there are some really small things like, you know, we got a high chair and we put it in the office and we got a changing mat and we put it in the office and, and sort of all of these kind of things. So that actually just making it slightly easier um for her to be there and some toys and snacks and things so i had a little box of snacks for her and that just made it a lot easier um and i think you know we'll probably try and do the same with you know some toys and things and hopefully that will make it easier for other people to be in the office although having said that the office is never going to be a particularly baby friendly environment but things like that did really help um i think being flexible around meetings as well because like a lot of meetings just happen at these really odd time slots and um you know it is that it's that tea time bedtime time slot for a meeting you know if a meeting's at six o'clock it's just really hard to go if you've got kids mm -hmm. if it's in the later in the evening then you know you might be able to go if you have childcare that evening but my husband's a doctor so he works shift so like if he's on nights then I can't go out after my daughter comes home from nursery so you know I can only actually it's a lot easier now that people are much more comfortable doing things on zoom and things because actually you know like this podcast that we're recording in the evening like my daughter's in bed but like I wouldn't be able to go out to do something mm -hmm. so actually being willing to do things remotely if that's something that we can continue after the pandemic I think that would make it a lot easier for parents to be involved with um with the kind of evening type activities and then I think as well just being flexible on canvassing because um and, and campaigning times because I think something that you know we really noticed with Hannah's campaign actually was that you know you did a lot of your canvassing during the day because that was when you were free and you were getting a really good in rate and like okay that wouldn't work in some parts of Hallam like you know where I live in Crooks it's lots of young professionals and students and everyone's out during the day so you, you know we get like a 15% in rate at the best of times and it would be about 2% during the day but if you're in an area where people are more likely to be home during the day like actually you know if you're free you know between nine though you know between 10 and one then can, you know, canvas then but actually there, there can be a tendency I think in local parties that you know if you don't come for a team delivery session or you don't come for a big canvassing session or you don't come to an action day you're seen as not working even though you might be racking up the numbers and I think that um, that willingness to um, that willingness to kind of see what people can do and say okay you know what can you do and acknowledge the work that people are putting in even if it's not in the model that you might, you might think, or, you know, maybe they're phone canvassing in the evenings when they can't go out and, you know, actually finding ways to, but I think it's, it's not even just valuing that, but actually I think also finding ways to acknowledge it because I think it, you know, one of the things that can be quite challenging is that there's this perception that someone might not be working even when they're working really hard. And so just finding like making sure you're celebrating the work that everyone is doing. Um, and that I think is helpful for making people feel valued as well. There is, an, there is a massive obsession with the tea time canvassing slot. Just a massive obsession with it. We'll meet for canvassing at 5pm. You know, eat, like, no, no, we won't. Because okay. even <laughs> if you put your kids in after school club, or even if they're in nursery, you know, those settings, they close at, at, at six o'clock. So, you know, you just, you can't do any meaningful canvassing. And as I said, you know, I mean, I've been through phases where my kids have done something every night of the week, and I've gone through phases where they've done nothing I sort of swing between the two in terms of kind of like guilt and total stress <laughs> but you know all those you know gymnastics dancing drama choir it's all it's all in that it's all in that evening slot and it's just impossible and um 
I said this in the last in the last podcast we did when I went on Kickstart um, before I got elected. Um, so this was like back end of 2017. My mentor, I was t- telling my mentor about this, and she said, "Well, when are you free?" I was like, "Well, I'm free in school hours." She was like, "Well, go canvassing then, then." Just you know, you don't pick you don't pick your estates full of young professionals where you know everyone's out, but you know who votes? Older people vote. You know that's that's who votes. Or there's you know there's bungalows and there's we've got lots of streets with lots of bungalows and lots of older people and I mean for one they don't actually want you knocking on their door at six at six o'clock at night you know they particularly in the winter you know they they batten down the hatches um, they're perfectly happy to chat, chat to you at one o'clock on a on a Monday afternoon um, and yeah that you know that made a massive massive difference for me just getting my head around we you know we canvas during daylight hours in the week um you know not not at tea time and I would I would definitely recommend and I think the problem with that is often I end up doing it by myself and then saying to people no I'm really sorry I can't come to the tea time canvassing slot and obviously you know I appreciate that 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 people work and and not everyone's schedules the same but there are and increasingly now you know there are lots of people who are around during the day and I think we're going to see even when all of this is over and we're allowed to, to canvas again and, and that's more possible, I think a lot of people are going to be working from home for the foreseeable. A lot of people. To be honest, that was always one of my sneaky canvassing things anyway, was actually if you go daytime canvassing on a Friday, like lots of people used to work from home on a Friday, but not other days. And like, actually, they're quite often happy to kind of come to the door and have a quick chat while they, you know, skive off work for 10 minutes. So um, one of my kind of sneaky tricks was always like, if, I, if I'm going to pick a day for daytime canvassing, Friday's the day, because that's, there's, there's just that slightly more people in, especially in those young professional areas where normally you just don't get anyone at that time. Um, but yeah. On, Dave. I think it is. I think it is a case of working smarter, not harder, as well. Because if you know the demographic of your area, I mean, we have elderly housing complexes. We have a lot of young families in in the newer housing um, where you will find people enjoying the day because they're doing the same as you. So, um, and it is horses for courses, I suppose. I think I found for me there was a a sort of triage thing as well so like one of the things that I really tried to be quite deliberate about was thinking about things that like especially like as my daughter got a little bit older and I was starting to put her in nursery and she was starting to struggle a little bit with longer canvassing sessions like she'd just get bored um you know I was really quite deliberate about like well actually you know I can take her to a meeting and especially if it's in the office like it might annoy the other people at the meeting and she might destroy a few things but actually that's fine whereas I can't really take her on a delivery session so if I've got if I've got her in nursery two days this week I'm going to make sure that I'm delivering and canvassing for those two days and I'm going to make sure that the meeting is scheduled for a day when I have her with me and like maybe that's a little bit annoying for people but you know what they'll cope And, you know, similarly with emails, like actually I can kind of keep on top of emails while stopping her, you know, pulling the TV on her head or whatever she's trying to do. Whereas, well, no, not that because I've got it attached to the wall before someone calls the social social services on me. But, um, you know, like whatever she's trying to destroy at that moment. Um, But, you know, I can't go canvassing with her. So um, so I think that that really deliberate, like, what can I what can I not do with a child and what would it be easier to do without a child and if it would only be easier then 
you're going to have to suck it up and do it with your child. Whereas if it's something that you can't do with a child, that's the time to prioritize. Mm -hmm. That's the thing to prioritize for your child free time. I want to just touch base on two things. So I'm reminded of firstly, this is probably a quicker answer is that one of our counselors, he, he was on the council, then he went off and then he's come back again. He had a, he had a, one of his daughter was still young and like you guys said, and what we don't talk about is sometimes you have community meetings, which are always still about that time as well. And an opposition counselor reported him to standards for bringing his daughter along because he had no, he had no childcare at the time. Now, now, I, I mean, I'd be press I, released it. Yeah, well, it was it was before it was before even I was elected. So I mean, we are going back to like twelve years or so there. But does do, do opposition parties give you any grief regarding it? And then leading on from that is what's it like with the council itself, with council officers and meetings? Because I, I I I had several jobs when I was a councillor, uh, and obviously I don't have childcare issues, but some workplaces were absolutely rotten. In, in, in accepting any sort of kind of time off for mm. councillor duties. And then you add childcare into that as well. How, how do you guys balance that with council meetings, council officers? Because I imagine listeners and viewers who, because we were talking about people starting up, starting from scratch. Maybe one of the things that stops women in particular from wanting to do it is thinking, how am I going to do it? You know, I've got, I've got a job, I've got, I've got childcare, I've got everything else, and suddenly I've got to deal with council meetings as well. And it might put them off. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? I, I think councils operate in one of two ways. So you either have councils that acknowledge that people work and tend to have all of their council meetings in the evenings, um, which I, I think is obviously a good thing for working people. I personally would, would find that really, really hard. You know, you hear about council meetings that start at 7pm and, and, and finish at midnight. And um, I'm... Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not productive in the evenings. I think. I think that's fair. To, I think I personally would, would would find that, you know, would find that quite difficult. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it works for some people and allows people to have, you know, to have full time jobs uh, as well. Um, or you have councils like Barnsley, which assume no one works uh, and have all of their meetings during the day, um, which works better for me really um, because you know. As I said, I've, I've got sort of time free during the day. And to be fair, I've, I have taken, the, I mean, this, we're obviously talking pre-COVID now. Um, I have had occasions where there have been meetings during the school holidays. So there's been a licensing meeting in, in half term um, or I'm on a, the member development working party. Nothing, you know, nothing particularly outrageously crucial to the functioning of local government. Um you know, I've had that and I, and things like area council, you know, ward council. And I've always, I'm always super polite about it. I always pop the chair and the governance officer an email just to say, you know, it's half term. Um, I've got the kids. I'm going to have to bring them along. If the chair's got any problems with that, let me know and I'll give my apologies instead. Um, and it's honestly, it's genuinely never been a problem. My children are very taken with their screens and will quite cheerfully sit in the corner of a room and stare at that screen for you know for as long as is required um and i think yeah no i've never had any hassle i think people generally sort of you know think it's quite sweet and acknowledge that that's you know that that's just part of 
part of me and, and part of what's required. I did have one, there was uh, one Labour councillor who made a snotty comment. It wasn't just me, actually. A couple of other councillors had their kids with them as well, and he made a snotty comment about it being a crash, but he's a idiot anyway, so that's just him. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, I just made it clear that there was no alternative. You know, I if I wanted a job where I had to put my kids into childcare all the time, I, you know, I would get a job that, that paid me considerably better than being a local councillor. So, you know, I'm not I'm not paying to put my kids in childcare to come to to come to council meetings. The one line I draw is at full council because um they're so utterly vile to me at full council. I would, you know, I would never I would never sit my children in the public gallery and make them watch that. But as Laura says, you know, these Zoom meetings, they're just they're just so much better. You know, it makes it so much easier um, not having to drag your kids all the way into ta- the town hall and, you know, set them up in the corner of the room. Um, they're doing the same. They're still, they're still looking at their devices. Um, but I've not had to drag them around to do that. So I think it's, yeah, you know, I think this is a really positive thing. But, but genuinely, I've not had any hassle from the council or from community meetings. Um, my kids are you know, Touchwood, they are actually pretty well behaved, but, you know, I can, I can take them out in public and, and trust them to be adorable. So, you know, that, <laughs> that helps. Dave, <laughs> in, term, in terms of council meetings, interestingly at South Ribble, um, I don't know how many other councils are doing this, but we had our full council last night and we have hybrid meetings. So there'll be 30 people in the council chamber, socially distanced, spread out, um, and should be keeping away from each other. And then we have screens uh, up on the wall where those not in the council chamber are phoning in as we are now, and they're taking part in the meeting. And it does work. So it may well be that if legislation enables it post-COVID, this could be the way forward in the future where you can take part in a meeting without actually having to be there. Um, I think there was one health scrutiny committee at that county where there was somebody phoning in from Spain because he was on his holidays but <laughs> he got his attendance in so but uh, I want to kind of come back to you Dave really because obviously this isn't this isn't an age joke I promise but obviously when when, when you were dealing with childcare issues you know there, were, there wasn't zoom meetings there wasn't that availability you yes you, you took a step back from the cabinet but then you know you suddenly were then deputy leader of of the council still with you know children in school so how how did how did you manage that with council how i mean obviously they were in they were school during the day but was that a, was that a difficult thing to manage um to a degree yes i mean it helps when you've got two children as well and one is somewhat older than the other one because uh, they unfortunately get um the job of babysitting the younger one um i mean at, at south Ribble, many yeah very early on when I was first on the council, a decision was taken to move all the meetings to the evening because people worked during the day and it was felt that working people were being excluded from the council. Um, county council is typical of that where you're one of the rare examples of not being a pensioner, I think, yeah. um, because everything does happen during the day and if, if you have a full-time job, it's nigh on impossible. But, um, yeah, I, again, we when my wife was still alive, but she was a member of the National Childbirth Trust and we used to be a member of a babysitting circle where you earned tokens and paid with tokens and so on and so forth. And that was was extremely helpful um, in terms of finding childcare. 
Because it is a point. I, I was just trying to find some actually some figures because I remember when I I was really struggling, like I say, with work and being a counselor to the point where I thought I didn't know if I could continue because the bosses weren't there. And, and I think it's a ridiculous percentage, like only like eighteen percent of counselors were under pension age or something, and that was across the country. Uh, and then, but it, it's really interesting because I I we did a push to get a council meeting moved from one till two to allow people who are in full-time work not to have to take a full day off, but just to take half day off. Now, I never even thought about how that would affect people who, who then would have to pick up their kids at three o'clock-ish at school. So is, is, there a, is there a right answer to this, or is it the fact that you've got to have a mix of meetings, some in the evening, some in the day, to, in order to accommodate everyone? Yes, I think so. And I think that... I, I, and I think to some extent, yeah, you can have that flexibility. You know, if there's if there's no one on on cabinet or on you know on, on, on you know why not at the start of the year sit down all the members of planning regulatory board and say right, can, you know, can we figure out a timetable of meetings that that works for everyone? You know, if yeah. if we have the meetings yeah. at one o'clock, is that a problem for anyone on board this year? If we have the meetings at you know, at 4pm, is that a problem for anyone on, on board this year? You know, what, why, can't, why can't we have that? You know, when you agree the membership at the start of the council year, you know, why can we not just... Because no one ever has that. You, you're told when your meetings are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, has to, it has to fit for officers as well. You know, that's, you know, that's an understanding. But, you know, if someone... If you had that conversation and if you sort of said, well, you know, my... My contribution is that I find 2pm meetings really frustrating because I, you know, I, I cannot get away from them in, in time to get to pick my kids up from school. Um, and, you know, I can't put them in childcare if we have, you know, if you have that meeting on a Tuesday, that's fine. I'll put them in after school club. But if you have it on a Monday, I can't because they've got ballet. So I just had that conversation with you. Then if the answer was, look, we're really sorry, we've looked at all the options and, this is the one that pleases most people. I think you'd be like, okay, well, you know, at, at least we've tried. But it's just, you know, the, those conversations just, you know, just don't happen. And it and it is frustrating that you're kind of, you know, I guess into things. Yeah, into, yeah. And I, I remember it's when we like that, yeah that example we did. We were, we were talking about trying to open up more democracy into Preston, and and that move from an, that one hour move from one till two. The uproar it caused. I mean, basically, there were some Tory councillors who said, "Well, why do you want to be a councillor if you can't commit to these times?" And I and I and I, and I said to them, "You are limiting your talent pool to just people over sixty. That's all you're doing." And and so many times across. I mean, I'm quite rare in the fact that I was 27 when I was elected, and I stuck with it. Yeah. So many people under retirement age do a single term. Or, or don't even get through the single term and then call it yep. a day. Yep. Loads of them. So the, yep. And, and it, it's just this psychology within local government that somehow, you know, you've got to make it work. You know, there's no... I, like I said, I, what you've just said ha there, Hannah, no one has ever had that conversation at the start of the, of the municipal year saying, OK, you've all agreed who wants to be on which committee. Let's see what works for people. And and if the answer is, oh, do you know what, we can't find a way to please everyone, then you know, then that then that's fine, isn't it? You know, at, at least you've tried. I think it's, you know, engagement of, as you say, younger people into into all politics. But I do think, you know, 
local parts i think if you're an mp you know you know the deal don't you, do you know what i mean you're down in westminster for you know four days a week and and how you manage that is a is a bigger you get paid a lot more money like childcare is a problem that can be like not completely solved but largely mitigated by flinging money at it by throwing money at and, it. yeah like absolutely. ultimately you know if you're an mp you're either you make enough money that your spouse can be a full-time parent or you make enough money that you can pay a nanny if that's yeah. what you need to make it work and, and I, I i suspect the vast majority of, of mps with children you know have a have a significant amount of, of help like that in the, in the form of a nanny um and you, you know for, for 10 grand a year that's that's just not going to happen so I, I do think you know that kind of engagement into you know into local politics is, is a massive problem and, and I'm you know I completely acknowledge how lucky I am because I don't have additional paid work on top of my council work you know the flip side of that is that my husband is 100% the breadwinner and I I don't call I don't call on him for childcare because I just you know I just, I just can't. It's, that's just never been, that's just never been an option for me. But I do think, I, you know, I absolutely think that these, these virtual or these hybrid meetings are a massive, massive opportunity to get more people involved. You know, not just from a from a childcare point of view, but also from a working point of view. You know, if you think, well, I do my full time job, but I now do it for her, from home. And I can tell my employer that between, you know, 2 and 4 p.m., I'll be doing my council work. You're pulling out all of that commute time, you know, all of that, all of that travel, all of that flicking between jobs, because all you're doing is switching what Zoom meeting you're in. It's massively time saving. I, I, I really hope, you know, we, we can keep it going, going forwards, because I do think this is without a doubt the answer to getting or part of the answer to getting more people with kids involved and for local party structures as well you know our, our local party executive meetings I don't think we'll have one in person again you know I think I think we'll save our in-person meetings for socials I think why, why do you want to drive for half an hour to discuss some minor compliance issue with the constitution <laughs> And you can enable gaze at home, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Netflix you know, on in the background, like yeah. not that I would people, ever do that, obviously. But it, other people terms, might. In terms of trying to make it easier for, for, for younger people with children, um, I mean I'm not far off a bus pass now, and I'm certainly conscious um because we have younger members on the council, and I'm certainly conscious of, of fitting in with them. And I would like to think that maybe older people now might have a a, a, a wider view of, of how we make councils work and how we get people involved um, because the county council I mean John will tell you the same that there's probably a raft of people on there um, who object to how you dress object to to just about everything going because it doesn't fit in with their little world well we have we have uh, there's a particular councillor I won't name him but every time a woman from the opposition stands up, he tells her to sit down, woman. At every time. And this is some of the... And, 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 and actually, this counts, and 
you know, we don't have actually any female councillors on the, there's only four of Lib Dems in the, in the, on the Langs County group. But, you know, the outrageous comment, and because the people are just stuck in the past uh, on this thing. And, and like I say, we, the, there's a Labour councillor now who brings her newborn baby into the chamber with her on full council as well. Uh, which and, and fair play to, to Lizzie for doing that, and uh, and I'm, I'm, it's re- it's great to see, um, but it it's grim sometimes, and I completely get when you said Hannah, you don't bring yours into full council because some of the the some of the the bile that's thrown out in council, but that's another reason why people can get put off from this stuff. So, and I suppose what I want to get from this episode, uh, sorry Laura, is just there are options for you. Don't you know the macho bullshit that comes out sometimes in councils just put it to one side you don't have to deal with it we particularly now it's half virtual you can just just mute them or go do something else while they're gibbering on about something yeah yeah i mean if i could sort of put a slightly because i I feel like we're starting to come to the end of of where we're getting to and it's potentially a little bit depressing um if i could put a sort of slightly more positive spin i think honestly for me it really has been a positive like um you know, I, I loved being able to campaign with my daughter. And I mean, one of the things that I really appreciated was that, you know, it was more flexible than having a full-time job. And, you know, if you do need to work full-time because you need the money, then obviously that's a different situation. But, you know, if you do have the flexibility to, you know, go part-time or even to stop working, then actually, you know, staying, like doing politics, doing local politics, you know, it's a fantastic way to, you know, to be involved with your community, but also to be able to spend more time with your kids while also kind of building your skill set and, and staying in work. And like, actually, when I obviously lost the election and then had to apply for jobs, it was quite useful to be, you know, an employer said, well, what have you been doing for the last year? And I was able to talk about being a PPC rather than just saying, well, I've been on maternity leave. And actually, you know, it, obviously that's a much bigger social issue. You know, I should not have had to hide maternity leave on my CV. But actually, we know that that is the reality for a lot of people. And I think one of the things that I'm really thinking about going forward is that actually, you know, if I do stay doing politics, actually it, it's a lot, it is a lot more flexible than, um, than, than having a full-time job. And because part-time jobs, good part-time jobs are so hard to find, they just don't exist. So, you know, really the option is often between being a full-time parent and having a full-time job. And if you do want to try and find a middle way, you know, politics can be a way to do that. And I think that is, an important positive for people who do want to be able to spend more time with their kids, but who also like Hannah, God love you. I don't know how you did it. Like I could not have been, I could not be a full-time parent. I just couldn't do it. Um, (laughs) But you know, I would love to be able to work slightly fewer hours and spend more time with my daughter and trying to find that middle way. You know, I think politics can offer a way to do that. I I think Laura's right. And I think, Yes, I agree. And I mean, and this is one of the reasons that, that I do enjoy it because it is flexible. You know, being a counsellor gives me a, you know, it gives me a small part time income having, you know, for a long time, you know, not had any independent source of income of my own. Um, so you know, it gives me a small part time income. And it is, you know, it is flexible, you know, obviously me, meetings are meetings and, and meetings are when they are. But in terms of, you know, when I meet when I meet with residents or when I make phone calls or when I answer emails, you know, that's all completely flexible. And I think as well, when you're involved with your local community, 
there's actually some really quite fun stuff that we can do as a family you know so again you know it's so sad talking about this right now because all of this stuff has been cancelled this year and it's just so mm. sad but you know Peniston show armed forces day Peniston gala all of the summer fates all of the christmas fates you know we go to those things as a family you know, I don't just go to those because I represent the ward that I live in and the community that I live in and the community where my kids go to school. And, you know, so we, those things are, are part of being in, living in the community and having a family in the community. And they're part of, you know, being a councillor and, and being that representative. And I drag my kids along to all of the village fun days and, you know, they, they, have, a, they have a great time and I'm doing my bit for kind of, you know, representing the village um and I think the other thing as well because my girls are um you know seven and eleven now um you know they're quite political because <laughs> you know because because they know they know what I do and you know I, I don't talk about it you know too much and I have to say we've not watched the news for about two years because it's just <laughs> good depressing. decision yeah it's just too depressing but you know, they they do they are they are political. You know, and they they grow up understanding that that politics is important and politics is everything everything that we do, and that they understand campaigning and they understand activism. My eldest daughter actually thinks the entire thing is mortifying because I am <laughs> not not being a count not being a councillor and not being a candidate and you know, but the. I am the parent who will go marching into school to make a massive fuss about why they're not allowed to wear their earrings for PE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my daughter's, my daughter's, I was that parent all through primary school. I'm still that parent. My daughter's just gone up to, to secondary school and there's this absolutely ludicrous rule that they're not allowed to wear boots. So they cannot wear ankle boots. And I'm just like you know why not this is Peniston like we live on the edge of the Pennines like it rains for 50% of the year I wear boots all winter because otherwise my feet get wet you know what like how exactly does it enhance children's learning to have wet feet all day and I'm like I'm this far from like right into the head and causing a massive fuss about it and Libby is just like can you please <laughs> Just let someone else. Do <laughs> I, I was wondering when we were going to get the first Hannah Kitchen rant, and I wasn't going to expect it on on boots. That's what, Dave. I'm I'm rather hoping you don't come to the day when because I've had this when there's a knock at the door and they've come to complain about your child, and you should know better because you're a local councillor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, think once, I, once, I once had a police officer tell me the same thing, you know. <laughs> oh, he said, oh, you get that as well, do you? <laughs> well, no, well, you didn't have a police officer come into your door. A police officer <laughs> also said, right, okay, there, I got the wrong end yeah, of the yeah, stick Yeah, I have there. had a police officer come to my door, and that's when I taught my child to go and be a nuisance somewhere else and not on his own doorstep. Yeah. Do you, do Fortunately, they have yet to say that about my two-year-old, but I think I have that to come. <laughs> now, something else has jumped, jumped, jumped into my head as well. I think the other thing is that I think people like seeing someone who looks like them in politics. So, you know, 
no offense to the to the white men amongst us this evening but there you know there are a lot of slightly older you know white men involved involved in politics yeah. and you know and some of them are superb and some of them are not superb but i think you know i get a, i get approached a lot by by young women with you know with families who've got an issue that i think they perhaps wouldn't wouldn't approach another another counsellor over because you know I've never I don't hide the fact that I've got a family you know I've always been I, that's always been sort of part of, of who I am and you know open about where I live and where my kids go to school and you know I think I do think it's useful and I think it makes you more um I guess open and you know approachable to, to people you know when people see me kind of dragging my kids through town, you know, gritting my teeth because they're complaining about something, you know, that's that's the same for for a lot of people, you know, that they've been there. And, you know, for Laura, when she's standing on a doorstep and, a, you know, and her daughter's making a bit of a fuss, the vast majority of people can empathise with that because they've been there. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I find it a positive, really. Well, I just want to thank all three of you for, for being on the show uh, this evening. Thank you for your time. Actually, that's really, it's, it's really encouraging as well because I do, I do worry some local parties, as one of the Lib Dems, think, you know, do we want to ask X because, you know, she must be busy. She must be busy. And actually, the thing is, don't assume anything. Just, you know, if they're good enough and they're willing enough, then, you know, that, then that, nothing else matters really. Um, but no, but... Thank you, thank you, David. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, we we'll wait for Hannah's next suggestion of a, a topic. It might, it might, it might be shoe related. We're not sure. <laughs> Whatever it is, we'll, we will do an episode on it. But, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening or watching this podcast. We really appreciate your time. Do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes going forward. Um, you can follow everything to do with the podcast at, at @libdempod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, do follow these guys. I mean, David's not on social media as much as the other two, but those two certainly are, uh, and they're always worthwhile to see what rant they're having about today. Um, so, thank you so much for for watching and listening, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. <laughs>